Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and it's so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of valuable stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. Today I'm talking to Laura Hope. Laura has worked as a freelance illustrator, creating beautiful live fashion illustrations for a number of brands, among other many projects, all equally beautiful. She decided recently to take a step away from freelancing. Uh, It wasn't quite delivering in the way that it once did and, and she had to have some frank conversations with herself and decided to take a job working in an art gallery while she took the time to create work that came from the heart, from the soul, was right for her and pure for her until she got a better sense of what that might look like. I chose this conversation today because it feels particularly pertinent as a lot of us are still emerging from the horrors of lockdown and uh, being forced to stare ourselves down in the mirror. Hello and welcome to Creative Condition Podcast. It's been a while. Welcome back if you're a regular listener. Hello if you're new to the show. My name is Ben Talon, your host. What have you been doing? What have you been up to? How are you finding things? Um, It's a crazy world we live in. I say that seemingly every episode now. Uh, I do apologise for those of you who want more of the Creative Condition podcast. I had to make a decision to uh, take a little pause myself and turn this thing into more of a sporadic, as and when kind of podcast. Because, well, as we're going to talk about in today's show, things changed. Things moved around. My you know priorities shifted. I wanted to focus more on my illustration and my writing work. And as much as I love the podcast, the you know the obligatory fortnightly episodes, just felt a little bit too much of that. You know, obligated. It was almost I was doing it because that's what I did, and it became a habit and a cycle. And I think creativity doesn't work like that. It ebbs and flows and changes according to mood and what's going on out there in the world around us in our lives. So, as much as it pained me to do so, I wanted to turn the dynamic of the show into something that just was produced as and when the right opportunities and the right stories came up, when it felt right. So I hope you're cool with that. It's not going anywhere. There will always be the Creative Condition podcast. I just love doing this too much to stop. Um, quick word about the supporters of the show, founding sponsor, the wonderful Illustration X, illustration and animation agency working globally with all kinds of different brands and different projects, doing great work for the creative industry, representing a whole host of wonderfully talented artists from New York to Paris to Shanghai to London that really are all over the show doing great, great stuff. Uh, They give us a tip, industry insight every episode. And I just wanted to touch upon something that's very, it really embodies today's conversation with Laura Hope. And it is about admitting and accepting change and knowing that what, you know, might once have been our truest passion or our driving force or our greatest motivator can sometimes change. It can whittle down. It can it can go completely. And I think sometimes it takes balls to admit that. It takes um, experience to recognise that. But I hope that today's episode is going to teach us a lot about sometimes just recognising the feeling, you know, what maybe was once absolute fire in the stomach becomes a sinking feeling or just a apathy maybe. You know, I think sometimes creativity just turns about face and maybe our lives change. Maybe the environment we're in transforms. There are countless variables that affect creativity and I think that it's absolutely critical that we always listen to how we're feeling and where the heart is. Um, 
and it's you know I guess that's a life tip really coming from Illustration X supporter of this show go check them out illustrationx.com Secondly, the Association of Illustrators, also a long-time supporter of the show. Go and take a look. Anybody working as an illustrator, I know it's a big core part of this audience. They're well worth signing up with for the membership. Um, they do so much good stuff now from events to business workshops to nitty-gritty stuff based around the contractual advice, uh, legal stuff. They're, they're a great bunch and really worth signing up with if that's something you haven't already done go and check them out over at the aoi.com so there's a lot what's on the brain what have what i been thinking about nfts where do you stand on nfts it still seems to be something that's very much on the rise um and i'm a little bit reluctant to go down that road because there is no getting away from the fact that we are in an environmental crisis now that affects our very, you know, our very species and, and the environmental world we live in. Um, and until I know that it's kind of safe and it's not going to consume ludicrous amounts of energy, then it's just somewhere that I can't go. But I have to admit, I am enjoying watching. I'm, I, I keep an eye on what people are doing and see how it's all going. And it's, it's kind of fascinating. I think I mentioned once before on the show, it very much reminds me of the YBA and the Young British Artists in the 90s. It's this very radical, controversial in a lot of ways thing that people frown upon or people think is ludicrous paying money for a JPEG. But I suppose like any new thing, we don't quite know until it's been around a little while. So I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Get them over at Creative Condition or at Ben Talon is probably the better way to go now. I'm trying to just rein in my social use a little bit. I don't know you guys feel the same way but the oversaturation of digital information and all the platforms i can communicate with people on is just a little bit too much noise so i'm trying to focus on the handful of platforms that i use now um so the best way to get me is at ben talon on instagram and twitter and facebook uh, always happy to hear from you guys love to do so love the, the conversations we have based around the topics on the show but very curious about NX, uh, nxt that's the wrestling fan in me coming out there nfts um I've got a new zine coming out called The Elf in the Delph. It's coming out early December. It's a Christmas murder mystery with a twist. Fully illustrated, A5 zine, printed on recycled stock. Um, brilliant little printing company in Leeds called Print.Work. Just thought I'd give them a shout out. I worked with those guys when I brought the last book that I did, Your Mum. Um, I actually had that printed elsewhere, but I worked with them on the A3 art prints that I did. Uh, and they do beautifully fully recycled stock, which is something I try and do more and more through my studio, is be environmentally conscious as best I can. So I uh, recommend checking those guys out. Great set of products that they offer. Um, so it's called The Elf in the Delph, and it's, it's a little story about... I think any of you parents will probably be familiar with the Elf on the Shelf craze, and it's kind of the little elf toy where parents position him around the house up to no good for the amusement of the kids but also i think the idea is that he's keeping an eye on the kids and, and they you know they can't step too far out of line because he'll report back to santa and i just thought that was a great opportunity to work in an almost not quite folk horror but it's got undertones of curtain twitching and dark village turning inwards because one of those elves washes up in the local delf in the canal water one day and it turns into a bit of a bizarre witch hunt. So I had a hell of a lot of fun with that story. And um, the idea is, so I'm very keen on indie publishing, and I produced my last two books independently. Um, 
your mum and other stories from the back streets of Britain and in and uh, Isolation Watch, Falling Apart in the Pandemic, which was actually my debut book, written very much on the fly in the moment during the first lockdown. Um, but I really enjoyed the process. But what I found was with a full book, it's a hell of a lot of uh, hurdles to clear. So you have to get it professionally edited. Um, I have to get it professionally designed. I have to illustrate the whole thing. And then I have to come up with a whole marketing campaign, which in the case of your mum involved animated video trailers, social media campaigns, um, sending things out for you know, to print and digital press. So it's very time consuming. And I didn't like the idea that my building my name as a writer would kind of go on the back burner while I was working on these projects. So by producing zines and designing them very punky, in-house, independently, all off my own back, everything from graphic design to print to illustrating them, uh, I should say that it is still professionally edited independently, um, that I could produce something quicker and get things out in between and, and, and doing them as short runs. There will only be 100 copies. Uh, so keep an eye on the social for that as well, at Ben Talon and also at Ben Talon Writer on Instagram. You'll get some sneak peeks. And if you want to go up and join my author mailing list, you can do so at bentalonwriter.com and you'll get the first heads up when the book is on sale. Uh, I think these are going to go pretty quick. I wanted to do it very, very little amount keep them special, keep them almost collectible for anyone who likes my artwork and my bizarre stories. So that's the idea. So get on the mailing list now. And if you do so in the next few weeks, you will get a free copy of Isolation Watch Falling Apart in the Pandemic, a 20,000 word book. It's about the third of a size of a, a standard average size novel. I'm very proud of that book. It was, um, took some, you know, it took some fight in my inner imposter to actually start writing fi fiction and trust that I had some ability in that. So, you know, the jury's still out on whether that's the case, but feedback has been very, very unanimously positive so far, which is exciting. And thank you so much for anyone who took the time to do that. So that's enough about the writing. I just wanted to give you a little heads up about all that. Um, like I say, get any and all feedback over at Ben Talon on the social. Thank you to the supporters of the show. Um, so a little bit more about Laura Hope. Laura and I have been in touch over social media for some time now because it seemed like we were arriving at these personal milestones at the same time. So we would talk about the themes within creativity and how creativity itself behaved and how it affected the direction we take as freelancers. And, uh, you know, at times, sometimes there's time for a change. And I noticed that Laura's were becoming quite deep and quite personal. And she was talking about how she'd arrived at these crossroads working as an illustrator where she wasn't entirely sure if it was for her at this time. And I think that admission to the self in itself does take, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of things. But I think first and foremost, it takes a leap of faith because when you've been doing something and calling yourself uh, something, be it an illustrator writer, filmmaker, whatever the title is that you're operating under. We do, we, we craft these identities that are attached to our personal self and our professional workings and it takes time to build up followings to amass clients and to be trusted as a professional in that environment. So I think when people do make that big call to step away or, or change things, it's very admirable and that's what Laura did. So I got in touch and we'd recently talked on her own Instagram Live which she'd started to interview other creatives on there and I guested on those and it was a lot of fun because, you know, as a podcaster who's done over 170 episodes, it's not too common for me to be the one on the, uh, on the other side of the mic, so to speak. So I jumped on that show and then I invited her onto mine because I just thought it was very timely coming out of lockdown. And I think a lot of you guys will relate to this story because some of us made major changes. Some of us 
didn't change a lot. Some of us really struggled with our mental health and couldn't be creative throughout lockdown. We all had a different story, but one thing that I did notice was the change side of things. I think people did have revelations and did maybe realise that they had been coasting and they hadn't been too happy and maybe they were just working for the money or working because they didn't know what else to do. There are myriad reasons for people not getting themselves out of a slump. But my thinking is that Laura's story might trigger a few ideas and might give you a sense of why it's cool to go and get another full-time job and start again and go back to the drawing board and just clear your mind because we live these busy, busy lives at a thousand miles an hour today. And I don't think enough of us do just stop to reflect and understand how we feel and be at t- you know spend some time with ourselves. So I hope that's the case. Uh, I'm not going to bang on too much longer. Laura and I jumped on a Zoom call and had this great conversation. Looking out for your feedback. Enjoy it. Cool. Well, well, let's get, I mean, let's get into your background. I'm, I'm, as you know, if you listen to the podcasts, I like to dig deep. And kind of, you know, I'm interested in childhoods and your roots, and you know, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so, had a well, semi-non-conventional childhood in the sense that um, I grew up abroad, um, which obviously is different than most. Um, my family. Work. I grew up in a creative family. Um, my my dad was. My parents both went into teaching later in life. So I only ever knew them as teachers because they started training as teachers when Mum was pregnant with me. But beforehand, um, they had different careers. Mum was head office of B and Q, so nothing exciting. And Dad was um, a boat builder mm-hmm. um, down in Cornwall. So luxury kind of not the fiberglass, like a proper old wood boats um and so he was always making things with his hands um always you know he's a bit of a perfectionist and it often took a lot longer than it should have taken um but things were always being made he was always tinkering away with like little projects in the house um you know i remember i had nowhere to put my barbie dolls when i was about five and so he made me a special shelf that was exactly the right height for the Barbies and like carved out a little like heart in the wood and like painted it all white and varnished it and you know so stuff like that was you know two like nice things like that that he'd made were kind of mm-hmm. to a penny that you know everything was always you know varnished you know even if he got like pebbles on the beach we'd have to varnish them so that they would their colors would show, show up nicely <laughs> I love that. um so, uh, yeah, I mean, creativity is always it. And then my mum was kind of the other end of creativity in terms of drama and English and literature and books. I mean, she, she loves reading. Um, so, I, you know, she took me to the theatre when I was uh, probably first time when I was four or something. You know, I've just been going forever. Um, and it was always, in, you know, always in the house, you know, drama, theatre. Mum was always putting on school productions when she was a teacher and she was always overseeing that. So there was kind of the two ends. But yeah, it was a super creative house, although neither of them had actually like pursued it in a direct sense. It was kind of just always mm-hmm. around. So I guess I always felt like creativity. I was going to be creative. I mean, I felt like it would be weird if I went and did something mathematical or science based mm-hmm. after having um childhood and yeah they uh they moved to the Czech Republic to Prague when I was six um because my mum had grew up in China and wanted to give me the experience of living abroad so we moved there and the plan was only to stay for a couple of years but we ended up staying for eight years so from six to 14 which is kind of my memorable childhood Mm. was in Prague um and obviously I mean the quality of life out there is just so different 
to living here and everything so well not so much now but when we lived there everything was so much cheaper to do anything so eating out we were always eating out you know going to the theater going to watch the orchestra like the opera like all that kind of stuff is so much cheaper than obviously going it would be going in London so we were always doing things like that and you know in these gorgeous like ornate buildings that are still there you know it was just yeah it was pretty like luxurious and you know arty and we were always going to art galleries and all the rest of it and then obviously moved back and that was a massive culture shock um at 14 um, moved to Plymouth, um, so obviously quite a small seaside town, and I just stuck out like an absolute fucking sore thumb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, my parents put me into, they'd saved up to put me into um, private school rather than sending me to a state school because they thought that I wouldn't last five minutes in a state school. Um, <laughs> but even in a private school, I stick out like a sore thumb. You know, I'd been around a lot of Americans because the expat um community in the Czech Republic is very like American heavy and mm. most Czechs that speak English or foreigners that speak English speak with an American accent so although I was English I had a really strong American accent um and yeah I just stuck out like a sore thumb and you know it looked completely ridiculous and um it was very difficult to like blend into society uh, in the UK and in Plymouth um so yeah that was kind of early childhood really um that's really interesting that's um I mean did you speak the language when you were in- um I mean I could get by and my husband like always says that I can speak better than I can but I think I didn't I went to an international school when we lived there because my parents both taught at the international school which mm-hmm. gave me a free place so I didn't go to Czech school so if I'd have gone to Czech school I would have spoke Czech obviously a lot more but I didn't but I could you know, I could get by, I could understand, you know, when mm. I go out there still, I, you know, can order in restaurants and, you know, all the usual kind of like get by things that's still kind of there. Um, yeah. But no, I I wish I could speak it fluently because I always feel bad because it's weird. It's like that feels like home to me, but it's obviously not home because I'm not Czech because I wasn't born there and I don't speak fluent Czech, yeah. but I don't feel English at all and I relate a lot more to foreigners and I relate to you know I when I am around people that are speaking Czech it feels homely and when I go into (laughs) when I go into those like you know Eastern like Polish supermarkets and stuff I feel like I've gone home but it's like (laughs) that's that's, that's a fascinating dynamic and I I wonder um, because they're really formative years I mean when I think you know six to fourteen that's you go through some real, I always say that I always think that seven is a really like a big, a big milestone age. I think it's kind of a coming of age yeah. age in, in the sense. And then as we know, you know, secondary school and those teen years are really, they really lay some foundations, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's quite funny. I've kind of um, like through, you know, lockdown and, and having more time on my own and contemplating a lot of things. Um, I kind of, started to look back on my childhood a lot more and because I'd always kind of brushed it off as yeah it was an amazing experience I lived abroad you know full, full stop end of conversation but actually it is quite it isn't it is an amazing experience and I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't had it but it does mess you up in an identity sort of way because you're not really sure like 
who you are and like you said it's formative years and mm. it it sort of yeah you think actually wow that's that's quite a you know the small things like that although a really positive experience can have some negative impacts as well because you're always kind of maybe just always trying to find a home in things because you don't feel like you have a proper you know mm. I'm jealous of my husband who he's Welsh and his whole family are Welsh and they're from the same village and they all live around the corner and when we go back and see them that's home and that's his home and it's very clearly his home but I don't really have a, a home in that same way mm. because yeah. you know before before Prague I was in Southampton and then when we came back from Prague I was in Plymouth so I we didn't even move back to the same area so well, yeah it must, it must have been quite a culture well you said it was but I mean it must I wonder about the the effect on I mean, there's no way of truly telling it, but in terms of your longer term creativity, I wonder, because coming back at that age at six, and like you said, you, you probably got quite a shock when suddenly the way you talked wasn't, you know, it jarred with suddenly where you were, because you'd come away from what you considered home. Therefore, that must have really drawn a lot of attention your way at a very malleable age. So, I, you know, I just... Yeah, I, I think I wanted to hide because of it. I, I really wanted to... It's quite funny, I found some old photographs of myself and when we were living in the Czech Republic, I was very kind of like flamboyant and, you know, in terms of what I wore and, you know, always crazy haircuts and always doing crazy things. And, you know, as a child, you know, I, I had short hair, like really like boy short hair for a while and then I'd like dyed my hair black for a while and you went through the whole goth phase and, mm. you know, all of that. And then you see photos of me kind of when I'd moved back to England and I mean you can't even find me in the school photo because I'm that much of a carbon copy of kind of everyone else you know I think I really kind of was like oh I'm wrong what I look like is wrong how I sound is wrong I need to like do this because this is right and this is how you don't get attention but how I am this is getting attention but it's not good attention so I need to kind of mold into like a smaller pack myself into a smaller box yeah you know more this, like everyone else um and it's only now that I'm realizing that I need to undo all of those behaviors from like years prior I now need to undo that because that's not a healthy way of being kind of making yourself smaller and not expressing yourself how you want to express yourself mm -hmm. yeah that's but interesting yeah. because it's quite it, I guess it's given what you've just said there it's an extreme version of what I guess the majority of us do because you know at school you do don't you I was a chameleon you know, up until yeah. I met friends who are still close friends now, and I met them in my local area rather than school, even though they went to the same school, they were a couple of years younger than me. So you saw I met them like knocking around in the local area and they were just so kind of blasé about who they were and very, you know, not brash in any way, but, but just confident and just were, they were yeah. wrong on their sleeve. And I'd kind of just faded into the crowd. I was very much a medium man at school. You know, I was liked by most people. I could hang out with nerdier people quite happily, but I could also hover around the dicks and 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 not be yeah. beaten up, you know? So it was like, I was very much a chameleon. And it was only when I met those guys that I suddenly went, I love this. I feel so much better about their being themselves. And yeah. And then that fed into a time when I went, also went to design college and, and just kind of got away from the shackles of school. So it was kind of like a, a nice, you know, I don't know what the, what the right way to express that is, but that, that was a turning point for me. But but if you'd arrived with that kind of complete difference, that's a different story. You know, that's really interesting. 
yeah definitely and I, th- I think it had a it had a knock-on effect then for you know what I've realized now is what I should have gone and done is probably gone to you know art college and done a foundation year done fine art done all of that but it as well the school that I went to was also art was kind of considered the the easy subject that like you basically do which is, it is in a lot of schools but it was really frowned upon um and because I was um you know quite academic anyway it was sort of oh you shouldn't be doing that like you know you, you can do all these other things you definitely shouldn't be doing that um so I don't think I followed that path I kind of indirectly followed it by I, I went and did uh, fashion marketing because I was like okay it's fashion it's creative but I, I'm gonna get a job at the end of it it's marketing it's business like I'm going down that route mm. and then was very unhappy doing it so then switch and it it feels like I was always kind of catching up from this like trying to be not actually doing what I want to do but always doing what I felt I should be doing <laughs> yes yes which is so common and so um can be destructive but it can I I also I also go towards the optimistic side of things and no, I, I mean I, where I am today without yeah, all yeah. Of those twists and turns, like yeah and um, we learned you know it's no it doesn't it's not always pleasant maybe sometimes we change it if we could but you know you are where you are aren't you and I think um you have to like you said it's about unpacking and understanding that so that you can almost project it forward and learn yeah and go yeah. like oh okay that's that's the pattern of the events that happened prior and that's why they've happened yeah. and I can see the pattern but like let's let's kind of break the chain of events now and and try something new so we don't continue down this this yeah. path of doing what you should be doing all the time yeah. <laughs> so how did that work with fashion marketing what was the story there uh well I went and did that and uh, I got there and realized that um I I loved bags and I loved shoes but I I didn't love them enough to care what was happening next season and I didn't read fashion blogs in my spare time and you know I again stuck out like a sore thumb because you know everyone was very obsessed with fashion and rightly so you know um but I just liked clothes you know but I, I wasn't obsessed obsessed um and the only module that I enjoyed was the fashion illustration module of that course. Um, and so I did a year and basically said to my dad that I was unhappy and wanted to do something else, which he very much frowned upon and said that I should just continue down the path <laughs> and finish the degree. Um, but I'd already kind of got a friendship base within Cardiff, which is where I went, and, and I'd met my boyfriend now husband um and so didn't really want to leave and um the only option I could see was that the other university in town was um an illustration course um and I thought well I enjoyed fashion illustration I'll go and do illustration I'll get to draw it won't all be about fashion I can be creative but there's still a job at the end of it so so um so yeah I went and I went and then started again from year one and did a three-year course in illustration um so yeah and then uh sort of my fine arty side sort of came out because by the end of the degree I was doing these massive like basically life life-size drawings and building massive sets that you could walk into um because I did my whole final year on Wuthering Heights 
Um, so wrote my dissertation on it and, and kind of created um, illustrations that you could sort of walk into and almost become the character within the illustration. So it was sort of halfway between drama and, and theatre and halfway between kind of illustrations. So kind of taking it off the page and making it kind of life-size essentially. But that also meant that I didn't really have a conventional illustration portfolio. And my lecturers, by the end of it, were saying, oh, you should, oh, sorry, screen. Um, you should go and do, um, you should go and do, sorry, I'm just going to go, you should go and do, um, like, set painting and, and theatre design. Um, so I started interning at a couple of places in my final year um, for set painting and and set design and there are a few jobs that were kind of floated that might be possible once I graduated and then I graduated and all of those jobs kind of went back into the woodwork or didn't pan out and then I was sort of left oh god I don't have an illustration portfolio I've gone really hard down this scenic art set painting route and I have nothing to show for that what do I do um, I can't afford to stay in Cardiff, um, so moved back in with my parents and started waitressing, as we all do, um, but was five hours away from my boyfriend who was in Wales doing the same thing. And so, yeah, then was really like, what on earth is, what on earth do I do now? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think these kind of, um, I'm always really interested in those kind of moments, like these crossroads that we arrive at, you know, not by design, um, because they they really do shape you. But it's so that it's that catch twenty two where it's horrifying at the time, it's kind of soul destroying. It can be uh, you wouldn't choose to be there, and it takes a lot of extra time on top of that before you can look back and go, well, that needed to happen to get me there. So you and you know you spend yeah. this more time freaking out and feeling like you've kind of somehow failed at the time yeah. so it's a lesson that yeah, you know, it was like total failure it was like you know this is the end literally the end of the world um but yeah through a series of you know I then kind of I mean in hindsight that would have been a perfect time to kind of work on my creativity and work on my illustration portfolio because I wasn't my parents were lovely enough not to charge me any rent so I was living rent free and they they didn't need me to work but I felt like I owed them to be working so you know I got myself a job but you know really I should have probably been working on my portfolio but didn't and was desperate to get a job so that I could get out of the like a proper job so I could in quotations get out of that situation and um, so I was applying for every single job under the sun and ended up getting a job at a memorial company um, doing uh, all the inscriptions and great engravings and designs on headstones. Um. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. I only uh, I started, you know, making a few notes for this interview and clocked, came across that on your Instagram, I think. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a job that uh, you do every day. Well, you most people don't even know that it exists. But yeah, uh, there's things that um, computers. Do a lot of things that computers can do very well, but some things that the computers still don't do quite as well as humans do. Uh, so yeah, they have a team of, of artists that, that sit in a room and sandblast and etch and all manner of 
designs and strange things that people want on their gravestones. You know, I've I've seen it all, you know, from cans of Stella to <laughs> monkey holding remotes to, I mean, you name it, I've seen it. Uh, mermaids sat on rocks with cats and bunnies, like, you know, everything, everything. Wow. <laughs> Did you like, to enjoy, did you enjoy the job? Uh, yeah, I mean, in a way it was, I mean, people always say to me now, oh my God, that's a dream job. You get paid, you get to sit in a room with loads of other artists and, you know, listen to the radio and, <laughs> you know, be creative. Um, but there there was a ceiling um, and there was not really any, it, it was a very kind of factory atmosphere. It was weird. So we were all creatives, but in the middle of this massive, factory that operated in a factory way of you know this is what time tea break is this is what time lunch break is this is what time you clock in this is what time you out this is how things are done this is how things have been done for the last however many 40 years this is how we do it um which is not really how creatives tend to work so <laughs> you had this kind of odd thing of like that head office and everyone sort of trying to control this creative environment but also not being able to control it <laughs> um and uh yeah I mean there was no it took me a long time to learn to get the skills and it took me about a year of constant training to to get the skills to be able to do it but once I'd, I'd kind of got this, got to a certain skill level, you know, I was doing the same things and basically on the same pay as guys that had been there for 25 years, you know, doing it. That was their first job since they, you know, left school. Mm. And so it felt a bit stifling, you know, like as in, oh, God, this is my life. You know, I th this is it. There's no like there's no career progression. There's no, you know, and I was working in. So the way the way it works is there's a lot of individual masons, stone masons around the country, um, smaller masonries, uh, and they usually contract out to like larger companies to do the work that they can't do. But there's two like big dogs. So if you imagine like you've got all your little like co-ops, then you've got your Tesco and your Asda, like the two big, there are two big dogs within Memorial Masonry. Um, one is based in Hull um, and one is based um, where I was working um, in Worcestershire. Um, and so I was, I was working for the big dog, you know, there, there was nowhere to go. Like, <laughs> I love when I found out about these worlds that I never even knew oh my existed. So I, there's like, there's a whole, I went to like, the trade X show, there's like a like a trade show for Memorial Masons, like you know, like a boat show. There's but so, but like, so many, so, so many shots, so many short stories hatching in my head already. Oh my god! <laughs> like, like you know, yeah. So the trade show is like just full of gravestones, you know, all the latest tech. You know, there's like a Swarovski stand because obviously, you know, we had a lot of like traveler gravestones, and they obviously go mm. mad. You know, spend basically it's tradition that you spend the person who's died's life savings on their um funeral and on their memorial within the traveler communities so they would spend kind of like 30 grand on like you know like heads like full with like gates and like everything was gilded and you know you'd have you'd have to stick individual Swarovski crystals like in the stars that you've done oh. um <laughs> uh. And you'd have all their like you know 
their lovely ornate like caravans and all their horses would all be depicted you know we'd spend hours you know et like hand etching and painting them all into their gravestones and stuff yeah it's a weird world but yeah the 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 trade show was literally, you know, all the, the latest gemstones that you can get via gravestone, the best paints, the best <laughs> machines, the best, you know. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That, that might be the strangest, like, role that I've come across on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Fantastic, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bizarre. It really was. Some of the things, some of the orders that we'd get in, I remember what the weirdest one, because they don't come with any explanation because you you would get the, you'd get the order form and it would already be on there. The design team would already kind of talk to the client and got it all sorted. And so you just get the order form to, to print it, to, to do it. And there was never any explanation. I remember we got one that was a fully carved monkey in the side of the headstone that I think in one hand had a daffodil and in the other hand had an Xbox controller and it was all like fully painted. And you know, and you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's probably better not to question it. No, yeah, probably. So yeah, basically that long story short, there was no career progression. There was also, I was essentially a human printer, you know, like I said, the design team had already liaised with the client. They'd already gone through the fun stuff of picking out the colors and whatever and I just had to do what a machine couldn't do you know I just had to copy x onto a stone and so yeah I got very got very bored um and very kind of just nonplussed by it all and decided one day that I would leave and, and go freelance and be an illustrator because that's that's what I'd done at university and it all seemed like, you know, a very easy thing to do when it was, you know, when I when I had a full-time job and I was hatching the plan. But um, it's never quite as easy when you actually leave your job and realise that you have to make money doing that. So no, it's not. How did you get on with that as a, you know, how, how would your personality fit with, with freelancing to start with? Uh, so something that I have discovered about my personality is that uh, I never ever had any problem with the business side because I am naturally quite a organize planny, strategy kind of person. I, I, have, I have that kind of side to my brain. And so that was never really, the, really a problem. What was the problem was not actually being creative enough and kind of over planning everything and not letting myself have the creative freedom. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't think that's talked about enough. Most creatives are the other way around. You know, they really struggle with the kind of strategic side and they just want to go crazy. And and uh, and I don't think there's enough people that are like, well, maybe there's not many people that are like me that are very planny, kind of organisation-y people. Um, and that ends up taking over because that that is sort of easy for me. And I don't have to, I don't have to like confront myself creatively. Um, you know I don't have to yeah it feels scarier letting go in a creative sense than like over planning and over you know controlling the situation I suppose um yeah. so yeah I never had a problem with that um and I got into live illustration pretty quickly through a friend that had seen someone that was looking for a live illustrator I didn't know what live illustration was never heard of it and I mean the only reason I got the job now looking back is because i massively undercharged for it um and I was the cheapest person going I think um but it got me in the door and yeah and then 
obviously one thing leads to another when you've started you know like something like live illustration you then get clients that come to one event see you at one and then just kind of snowballs really um but yeah so and live illustration I mean I luckily I sort of it worked for me I mean I was absolutely terrified the first one that I did and I didn't know how I was ever going to do a portrait in 10 minutes um I remember she the woman saying yeah you've got to do your portrait in 10 minutes and I was thinking what that is surely not a thing um googling it and realizing it that it was um and then shutting myself away for a week and with a timer and just stock photos of portraits and just like trying to like get it down to 10 minutes desperately mm-hmm. um but yeah I just um I mean luckily I managed to do it probably I mean I'd spent a lot of time learning about portraiture and likeness through my gravestone job and also working to very quick deadlines because it was a very factory kind of setting you had to work very quickly so I suppose I found live illustration fairly like easy to adapt to um and uh yeah that's that's mm. how I ended up doing that really and that that was most of my bread and butter um as an illustrator was doing events because they pay yeah. well it's quite a there's quite a thread emerging it seems here with um you know adapting and taking on new challenges that you seem quite adept to and um i wonder oh, that's what's the way to word it um was there, was there ever an, did you have an anchor like was was there ever a point where you you sort of thought i really want to go this direction and do this or were you more you saw what come up and, and jumped on opportunities when they arrived yeah, I think that's that. So that's something that I'm trying to break now is I think I've spent a lot of time just kind of jumping at things that that I feel will get me to the next thing. And because, like you said, I'm quite adaptable and that's probably to do with growing up abroad and, you know, having, you know, probably that forms part of your brain when you're having to adapt at a very young age. And so things like that, challenges like that don't really scare me. I just sort of go for it and and do it but yeah I've never really done things I've never really sat down and gone right what is it that I want to do aside from what kind of society says I should do or aside from what logically makes sense to make money or aside from what will look good to everyone else what what is it that I want to do when you know and I and that's that I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out now is you know not jumping at the first thing because really freelance illustration was was sort of an escape from everything has sort of been an escape from the previous thing yeah <laughs> this is what I've noticed about the yeah the path it's almost like you did the thing to get to the next step which which you know yeah I should say you know it's that's absolutely fine because I do think there's the danger that a lot of people fall into the other way by setting these big goals and that can often be based on a previous version of ourselves so maybe yeah. like a 17 year old who loves video games and decided they're going to do a video game design degree gets into yeah. that career does well but forgets to listen to their personality as it as it shifts and changes as we do yeah. as, as we move yeah. through life, and then ends up um almost trapped in that identity you know that, that they've set themselves and not moved when they should have moved whereas your yep. story it's very much like okay time's up on this thing whether it's by design <laughs> or by or, or by necessity um 
and what's next? And there's this thing. So I'm going to go for that. And I think that's great because you add a lot of nuts and bolts to your toolkit and you learn maybe what you don't want to do or what you dislike about certain environments. Yeah. And I think that's really yeah, helpful. Yeah. And sometimes that's the only way you can learn. Sometimes you have to go through like decades of, you know, yeah. unplanned and just kind of quite chaotic paths. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad I've gone through all of that because I don't think I would have recognised that about myself had I not gone through all of that. But obviously going through all of that, I now recognise, hang on a minute, everything's been in a sketch. Like you've been like literally running on the treadmill like you know for over a decade like you know just kind of going for it what's the next thing what's the next thing how do I escape how do I how do I do this how do I you know and what actually happens what do you how do you slow down and what is it that you want and how do you and get off the treadmill for a minute (laughs) and enjoy life for five minutes Well, the thing is also, I think when you're in a full-time creative role, whether whether that means that you are busy all week in a freelance role or if you're in a full-time job, I think when your entire schedule is is kind of on deadline and, and working for clients, you almost forget to treat yourself as a client and you know, and work out some sort of direction or some steer over where you're going, which I think a modicum of that is kind of important to, to most of us. You know, yeah. Um, otherwise, if it's entirely responsive the whole way, then I think it seems like you've arrived at that place now where you kind of you've gone, okay, like I want to, you know, there's things I want to do now, and I want to take a little charge over this. Yeah, Would that be fair. But yeah, no, no, def- definitely, totally fair. Yeah, I think that's that's completely it. Is that yeah? I mean, lockdown was was basically the the kind of the big moment that kind of shifted everything for me because that that was kind of like that was like someone pressing the emergency stop button on the treadmill you know it was like you know fall off and you know smack your head on the floor kind of oh god I have to stop the the whole world that you know the whole world stopped the whole the whole treadmill stopped um and then everything kind of comes crashing down in the sense of you're like well, for me, certainly it did. Like the whole world stopped, everything stopped, everything external stopped. And then suddenly everything was quiet around me. And then you start hearing what's going on internally. And you're like, oh, actually, I don't think I'm very happy. <laughs> actually, this this isn't working um, because all the noise has stopped, you know. Um, like I said, I have that kind of planning strategy, organisation, go, go, go element to my personality and that can that can become quite an addictive obsessive side because it like it can drown out everything else because if you're busy and if you're like go 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 you're not really paying attention to like actually how you're feeling because you're just like on to the next project on to the next project on to the next thing this is my three-year plan this is my five-year plan these are the business podcasts I've got lined up to listen to to today these are the articles that I'm going to read. These are the clients I'm going to call. <laughs> I think you're right. And I hope that for anyone listening to this show, I think I would extract the last five minutes, not even five minutes, the last few minutes of what you've just said and really listen to that. Because I think it's so pertinent in today's world. I think that you've really hit on something there. And it's and it's, it goes, it's a life lesson. It goes broader than just about creativity. I think it's about the pace of the world we live in now and the pace of life. Yeah. And there's so many things vying for our attention all of the time that, you know, we're on our phones when we're with other people and we're, we're rushing to this event, but we've got that thing later. And it's like, yeah. if you don't 
give yourself just time to breathe and, and just be and not watch TV and not read a book and just, you know, as, as I keep saying, because I'm a recent parent of twins, I, I want to just book a hotel at some point and just stare at the ceiling for the entire night. <laughs> and, and just let, because if you don't do that, the, all the things that you're pouring into your brain, all these wonderful things all around us, culture and, and the yeah. things people say, it doesn't have time to digest and kind of reconfigure, which is yeah. what the conscious does. And that's where these kind of truly great ideas for ourselves come from these epiphanies yeah. and, and these kind of, you know, it's like every time I take a holiday and go away for a week and just spend some time walking or, you know, having naps and the rest of it, I come back so fired up with new ideas and revelations yeah. about myself because I've stopped and I've taken the time to listen. Yeah. And that's exactly what you just said. And I think it's really important. And we, we really overlook that in general. I think so many people do. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so easy as well because there's so much choice. Like there's so there's so many podcasts and so many episodes and so many shows and so many people to follow. You know, it's like when I look back at kind of, you know, the first couple of years that I was freelance illustrator, I mean, I'm not surprised that, I mean, I'm su surprised that I didn't completely burn out because, you know, I would have literally lined up the entire day with podcast episodes, like from, and I would literally jump from one to the next, you know, all creative business podcasts. And then, I would make my lunch and I would say that I wasn't at my desk because I'd go into the living room, but then I'd have lined up some like, I don't know, motivational speaker or like business entrepreneur, like Gary Vee or something to like watch on, on YouTube while I was eating my lunch. And then I'd go back to my studio. Like it was just overload of like, yeah. you know, what's next? What's your five-year plan? Like, have you got the strategy? Like, you know, <laughs> hustle 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 like you know it's, so, tr thing. <laughs> it's so true and, and and on one hand I would say you know there's there's clearly a great value to having that kind of energy and drive and and, and insatiable appetite because you know as it's a very in the creative industries I've seen time and time again there are many people who are uber talented but like either lack the drive or, or don't have the business acumen to kind of formulate what they're doing yeah in a way that they can benefit from but I think you do have to dial it back, don't you? And you do have to, you do have yeah, to get, get into the silence for a little while and let all that stuff settle. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, also it's, it's laughable looking back because I'm, you know, watching all these like hacks on like productivity hacks and I'm like the most fucking productive person anyway. Like my husband has to like tell me to sit down and take a break. And yet I'm like watching like 10 best productivity hacks and get through your I day. Like that. it's just like because it is like an addiction because you feel like you're like I am doing stuff I am moving forward if I'm listening to all these people you know if I'm listening to these podcasts if I'm like you know if I sign up to this course and like I've got this on later you know you you feel like my career is moving forward but then it, you know you get to lockdown and you're like what the fuck even is the point of this career you know I'm not even I don't even enjoy it like I don't yeah. enjoy life like yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, the, you know, the, the whole thing I have in mind for this chat we're having right now is change. And I think it's that's the kind of overriding, you know, angle here, I suppose, just, just to really distill it. But I think, so what did you, what did you change? Like when you kind of, when you got to lockdown and you realised that there was a degree of unhappiness there, like what, how did I you, mean, first of all, how did you feel? And then what were the, you know, what did you want to change? What did you change? I mean, it was slow. It was a slow progress of, of realization. Like, it definitely didn't. It's not like 
lockdown hit and over and you know overnight I realized that it was an issue in mm. fact I did my typical like go 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 um thing like straight away you know everyone else is like you know freaking out about lockdown and I'm going right okay so uh this means I can start running more so I'm gonna like plan this many miles a week and right illustration's gone down the pan at the moment so where can I get a job um, the local care home needs a cleaner. I'm going to start cleaning there so that I don't have to worry about finances. Like I was literally plan in the bag, let's go, you know. And again, for the first few months was just like running at that like intense speed, literally, you know, and metaphorically, you know, I ended up getting a running injury because I ran so much, you know. <laughs> How many running podcasts did you sign up for? I was so many, like... <laughs> I love that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, everyone else is going, oh, I'm not really doing anything. I sat around and I'm like, well, this is my list of chores that I've planned for life. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I was still doing all of that at the beginning. Um, and then um, I actually, as part of my kind of plan and strategy, I ended up um, signing up for Joanna Henley's mentoring. Um, I'm sure a lot of people on your podcast podcast probably know her miss misled studio but mm -hmm. she is joanne henley um and i signed up for hers again as like a get my shit together like yet another course i can sign up for um but it was actually really transformational because she um i think she is really what kick-started me realizing all of this about my personality because i definitely didn't realize it you know at all um i can laugh about it now but at the time i definitely didn't realize it and she kind of helped me. Um, I mean, it's sort of like therapy, isn't it? Mentoring, like you, 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 you sort of talk about it. You get on a call and you talk about yourself for you know an hour, and you know have all these epiphanies of things you're doing wrong and things you're unhappy about, and um, you know things. You know, she would kind of say to me, you know, I think you need to, you know, chill a little bit. You know, I think maybe you need to have some time where you, you know, and she's implemented me because I used to get up and first thing I used to watch one of these like motivational videos because I was like well if I get up and start my day right like and she was like no I think you need to not do that like, I think you need to get up and like have a cup of tea and like sit in silence and like do some journaling and like listen to the internal mm -hmm. voices mm -hmm. um so I started implementing that which was you know hugely transformational and just that silence you know getting um I mean, I've meditated, but much more in a like, I've been told to meditate way. Um, and it was with her, it was much more kind of like embrace the side, you know, embrace the silence, you know, have the slow, you know, and she always used to, I always used to beat myself up for days that I didn't get anything done. And she always used to tell me, you know, that's fine. You, you, why are you beating yourself up? Like, you know, you haven't done anything today. So what you probably have, like mentally, like you said, like when you take a break, you kind of distill down all the things that you've been listening to, you know, and she used to say, it's fine. You know, you haven't done anything. You don't have to be productive all the time. You know, there's, you know, creativity finds you in a much more easy sense. Like creativity is not going to come when you're go at a million miles an hour, watching a million videos, doing a million things like creativity is going to come when you're relaxing when you're you know and mm -hmm. she'd say like you know I, I got a kitten in lockdown and she'd say like just play with the cat like just for an hour like just play with the cat you know you'll you'll feel creative after it and yeah. so I think for her kind of like I know it sounds silly but someone else kind of forgiving you for like 
for like your slow times or forgiving you for you know not not producing loads of stuff or not being productive because everything for me was always you know how much have I got done on my to-do list you know my value is based in how much I've got done how many emails have I sent you know all of this kind of stuff and and she used to say no please just have three things on your to-do list and if you don't get them done you don't get them done like you know um, absolutely right you know and I, and I think I'm, I'm smiling a lot during this because I'm there's there's a very mirrored thing going on with, with the way my personality is here I get the bull in a china shop thing as well because I don't know where it comes from but I'm very driven and it can go the other way with that you like yeah. you've described to a T you know it's, it's not about me so I'm not going to go too much into that but I'm exactly the same and I've recently started writing a lot of fiction and, and my wife had to remind me the other week not to go to that place again where I suddenly have to make a big success of all of the things and, yeah like and you yeah. could do something fun she's like you're, you're you know you 10 years ago whatever no 13 years ago you know I was I was paying my bill through whatever factory job came through an employment agency and then Preston City Council as a recycling officer um while I financed the dream which was illustration now I'm financing my writing career with the dream and it's like <laughs> you know but it's so for that reason surely take the luxurious position that I'm in and just bloody enjoy it and and read books yeah and, you enjoy. know pleasure for no real for other reason than pleasure and if you just you know write two lines in a day no lines in it, it doesn't matter it's like you're on this journey and creativity shapes I always say it shape shifts it changes all the time from day to day it depends on our mood our environment you know the people we're with so many factors you could spend all day trying to control and overthink that but ultimately you have to just slow, kind of slow down and listen to feeling. And when you get those bursts of energy, that's amazing. Do it, hammer it, and and take all of that energy. But then when it runs out, it's like that's fine. Then I just need a rest. And for so long, yeah. I didn't rest. Like you said, when I moved to London, I was going at a crazy pace like all of the time. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's that's disruptive if you allow it to be. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, it's like what you said about you know writing and your wife saying about you know don't let don't go to that place there there's that element like you said when you're a driven kind of person of everything has to become like monetized like everything has to become monetized everything has to become a success like you can't ever do anything for like the sheer enjoyment of doing it you have to like become the best you know and I like I found that with like you know running has actually been a, a great parallel for my life because I have to constantly remind myself Laura you do this for fun like this is fun like it's it's a hobby that you enjoy it doesn't you're I mean you're never going to be Mo Farah like and that's fine you're never going to make any money from it just enjoy it you know just enjoy it and I have to constantly remind myself and I think people like us we have to constantly remind ourselves that it's okay to do something for, for pure enjoyment I like, think you're absolutely no right. And, and this, this is just a little tangent, but I want to read you a little thing from Mr. Bingo's Instagram that he posted with that exact sentiment. And it's quite funny. There's a photo of him with a, and it's just a print that says it's meant to be fun in type. And, yeah. and he wrote this and he said, I often sit at my desk for hours with a really serious face trying to make something perfect. I get stressed. I care too much. I worry that it's not good enough. And I think what I'm doing is really important. But then I stop, I look out of the window and I frown in disbelief. I am drawing a man being crushed to death by a giant penis. <laughs> and he said, I also remind myself that I worked my, tits, worked my tits off for 20 years so that I can now sit in a glass box overlooking a big tree, writing jokes and drawing silly pictures instead of having a job. Um, so he commissioned a letterpress poster by um, Mary, what's the name, Mary, anyway, 
I said funny Instagram handle, so I can't give you the name, but he commissioned this letterpress poster to hang in his studio as a constant reminder that it's meant to be fun. And I think we do forget that really easily, don't we? Yeah, us creatives, like we do. That's exactly that's exactly the kind of realisation that I came to in lockdown was like, you've like worked your ass off to have a creative career that many people would dream of, and yet you're not actually enjoying it. Like you're not actually having any fun you're actually really miserable. You're actually really overworked. You actually hate the work that you're producing. And what was the point of like all of the the hardship that you've gone through to get to here? If actually you're not not having fun, you you don't like what you've done. Um, And I think so many creatives are like that, that you're on this kind of wheel of like, you must make a success of it. You must, you know, be the next big thing you know the next big instagram thing you must go viral like you know you're on this kind of wheel but you're actually not enjoying what you're doing yeah yeah it's it is it's 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 very true and i i, I made in these notes i wrote down that it's i think it, it came from something you that's right so when we when we spoke when i when i talked on your instagram live yeah thing um it was really interesting and you mentioned some of the themes that you mentioned for that conversation but intuition self-discovery building a relationship with creativity and that got me thinking that actually it it is it's a relationship we have because it's a fundamental part of ourselves. and um yeah. i made some notes on what constitutes at least in my opinion what constitutes a good relationship and i think time together and time apart a balance so if you know what we've just described about ourselves there especially your yeah. story if it's all just about go, 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 then that's constant time together, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how much you love a person or, or yourself, whatever the relationship yeah. is. If you do it to death all the time, you kind of lose sight of the magic and, and don't you don't miss it. Yeah. I don't think that's any different with creativity. Um, I think you need a little bit of risk and a bit of excitement, a bit of danger in there somewhere, however you, you see that. Um, and I think also total honesty with yourself is critical because if you yeah. don't, like I said, if you don't listen to them feelings and when you do start to feel burned out or dissatisfied if you just keep on the treadmill it burns it that leads to burnout and then I think you also have to appreciate the flaws so in my instance I'm really clumsy I'm very haphazard thankfully I've been able to embrace that in my style in a way that that becomes a really good thing but if you don't and you just get negative about those kind of hang-ups about yourself that kind of goes against creativity as well so I just think there's something to think about in that sense of what is a good relationship and then apply that to you and your creativity yeah, I mean, totally that, you know, that was something that I realised that actually, you know, I was, I realised now that creativity, and this probably sounds nuts, but it's probably okay to say it on a creative podcast. Um, but like, you know, I do feel like my creativity is another being that like lives kind of inside of me, around me, you know, and for years I was kind of shoving him, her, whatever, into a box to fit my way of being a bit like some relationships end because you try and mold the other person into exactly how you want them to be and you don't love them for their flaws like you you just say I don't like this about you don't do this anymore like you know you need to just go over here and behave and sit in the corner and you don't let them flourish as an like as an individual and I very much wasn't doing that with my creativity I wasn't letting it flourish and letting it be individual and going like yes I find you really annoying sometimes like you don't do what I want you to do half the time but I need to love and respect you and build a relationship with you 
otherwise I'm never going to make great work because I, I'm just kind of doing my big bullish, you know, this is the way it's going to go yeah. um, and you're going to listen to me and we're going to sit down now and we're going to draw and you're going to do what I say. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's you're absolutely right. And I, I think now I, I'm far more forgiving you know i level i sometimes still have to check myself i think i always will to a degree because it's a natural part of me but i'm much better now at going do you know what i'm just going to go to the cinema and you know choose the afternoon and and let's watch this film that looks good and i think you have to reframe that as a part of what it is to be creative professionally if you can't have that time to get inspired and to have fun and to feel good then it like you said it doesn't it does it goes again it's counterintuitive and it goes against and i and i don't think it's weird at all what you said about creativity being another being i i described it as a monster or, or even as a plant i think it's a, a plant is quite a good analogy you have to nourish it and you have to water it and you have to take care of it and if you don't and you just kind of put it in this one you know environment all of yeah. the time doing the same thing it doesn't, yeah. grow, it doesn't develop you know yeah exactly it's like if you've got a dog and you're horrible to it all the time and you shout it and you lock it in a cage it's going to come out and and bite everyone and be in, no one wants to be around it because it's you know a nightmare and it's the same you know with your creativity if you push it down it's all going to explode in a way that you don't really want it to i, I think that's about right <laughs> for my creativity probably it's like a staffordshire bull terrier that's just not in yeah. size. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so would so uh, it sounds like you're kind of coming to, getting to grips with this the whole idea of you know that we don't need to be busy all the time that that old thing of you keeping busy are you busy it's like people ask that as it's this badge of honor oh my god it annoys me so much <laughs> yeah whereas i still to this day i'm still kind of you know my dad will ask me that every week on the phone and i go no dad i told you i'm, I'm having a really easy summer because i'm moving yeah. out i've got two young kids i want to just take some time to get on top you know start planting seeds in my writing and 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 that's fine and and i you know i don't have Look at you like the two heads though when you say things like that like oh i'm just i'm just having a a day around the house in my pajamas yeah. i might not open the curtains you know yeah. people are like are you okay you know do do you need to see a dog's like? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because a lot of people, like you said, it is just that you know they go to work. There was a very structured week, and the idea of anything other yeah. than that is is an alien concept, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, no, no, just taking it, um, taking it a lot easier, really, and um, and not having a plan, um, which is something that I've probably spent a year, or how long are we? Maybe a little bit less than a year. Um, sort of uh drilling out of myself because it's obviously something that I like to have control I like to have a plan I feel comfortable in that you know thing I always have felt comfortable in that to a degree but actually going now no I don't have a plan I don't know what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I don't have a pre-prepared answer for if someone says you know what's your five-year plan I, I don't have a fucking clue like <laughs> no um and I you know I don't know where it's going I you know I want to start creating I've had a break from creating and I, I want to start well tomorrow is like bookmarked in my diary is a creative day and it's making me feel a bit terrified thinking about it but um but yeah I want to start making you know making stuff again but I need to not have a plan and it's been really hard to kind of tell myself that but I need to just I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know, you know, where it's going to end up. You know, is it going to go, am I going to sell it? Am I going to try and get it into a gallery? Am I going to try and contact clients with it? 
am I going to make a book with it? I, I don't know. And actually, it's quite nice the first time in my life to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's absolutely fine. And I, I, you know, if I was looking at that from the outside in, I would just say, just stay attuned to how you feel about what you're creating, you know, seek the pleasure in it. And, and I think if you're excited about what you're doing and you find that thrill, you'll talk about it with people. And as we know, you, you don't know what, you know, someone else seeing that might, might open up. Who knows? Let's, you know, that's got to be exciting, hasn't it? Exactly. And that's kind of exciting, the unknown, instead of kind of always thinking where's, where's this going to go? What's the niche behind it? What's the angle behind it? And since starting my new job, I spend a lot of time with art, with more obviously artists and fine artists. And it's actually quite interesting. There's there's a real difference between the conversation between artists and fine artists and the conversation between illustrators and designers. And illustrators and designers, obviously, from my very small perspective, talk a lot. The conversation is, is often very external in terms of like who's seeing it, you know, what's the client, what's the niche, you know, where do you fit in, you know, who are your clients? Where are you aiming towards? You know, what's your dream job? You know, all of that kind of conversation. And the conversation that like artists and fine artists are having is a lot more internal. They they don't really care what everyone else thinks to an extent. They make stuff and then other people respond to it instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of illustrators, we're always thinking about the end product. Yeah. which is a healthy thing obviously you know and it's good and you know a, a mix of the two I think is is the best way to be because yeah. you know if you want to make money and, and a job you can't always not give a fuck what the outside world thinks but um but I do think that certainly the the, the conversations that I was having in as, as an illustrator and in the smaller network that I was in I think was slightly too external focused and not internal focused enough not spending too much time making from an internal place and letting that out and then seeing what the world responds to what you put out yeah I think you're absolutely right and I think um, the favorite work always that I do is is quite personal self-initiated but in turn it seems to bring my biggest commercial project because it's because it is personal and it's got soul and it comes from the propolis and I think that with a little more internal that's what we you know like you said, too many people kind of feel, what's the next step to get up the ladder in the agency or whatever anyone's personal path is. Yeah. There's too much, what, what is the trodden path? There's too much thinking to that degree or what is success? Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think we talked about this when, when we talked the other time, but I just think success is relative to you and it has to make you happy. Yeah. It has to make you yeah. feel fulfilled and, you know, make you want to get out of bed in the morning. And that can't always be a directly like packageable commercial thing sometimes it has to be explorative and thematic you have to spend time in your life you know just seeing and observing and listening to you can do whatever that is so it is a balance isn't it because otherwise we all be the start of an artist wouldn't we if we didn't find a way to do it because that's the world we have to make good in exactly and I I do think that you know I just think that illustrators should be aware here's me like trying to give advice and from my high horse but I just think that like you know um certainly I'm speaking to someone if they're like me in that I was doing a lot of personal projects and telling people that I was doing a lot of personal projects but they weren't coming enough from just me they were always coming from a place of yes this is a personal project but I always had in my mind the kind of like 
outcome or where it was going to go or what clients I was going to contact with said personal project. You know, like there was always that was sort of like playing into it and it was never purely like shutting the world out. I'm just going to make some stuff mm-hmm. and then I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very easy to get into that and tell yourself that you're doing personal projects. And be like, oh, I'm, I'm doing personal projects, you know, when I'm quiet, but not actually like really exploring it, still staying within a parameter that you feel is mm. marketable and you feel that you can contact the right clients with and, you know, all the rest of it. So I just think people should be aware of that because it's very easy to do that. Yeah. I think even if it's just, let's say, an hour or two hours a week, if that's all you can free free up in your schedule, which is a lot of us, I think that you always just have to do that, spend at least that time doing something that, if if society ended, if there was an you know some sort of zombie apocalypse, or whatever, that you would still want to create that work, you know. Yeah. I think that's a way to look at it, and I think if it's you know that that and that's truly for you, isn't it? And it doesn't it doesn't hinge like you said. Yeah. Saying. And if it, if it didn't go anywhere, like if no one saw it, would you still make this? Yeah. You know, and still take something personal and beautiful from it that way. Yeah. Like if, if it didn't end up on Instagram, if it didn't end up on your website, if, if no one ever in the world saw it, would it would you still have enjoyed creating it? Yeah most people most of the stuff that I was doing that wasn't the case because I was always thinking about Mm -hmm. oh is this going to make a good post on Instagram is this gonna you know all of that kind of stuff and it's so hard in this day and age because we live in a world of Instagram and a world of that kind of validation it's you have to be you have to really stay aware of that because it can be quite dangerous definitely um tell us about the role we never touched upon your your new job uh yeah so um happy accident really um in some ways uh but uh there's a gallery um in Woodstock which is not too far from me and um I I mean ages ago I went in with my with my card and said that I was an illustrator and the gallery owner started following on me on it on Instagram and actually through lockdown when I started doing a lot more of stuff that I wanted to do a lot more of kind of theatre inspired inspired portraits and and stuff like that she contacted me and asked me whether she really loved my portraits and said she thought that some would look great in in the hotel across the road and I did a sort of piece that we worked on together um, and so built a relationship with her through that and then happened to go past the gallery um, to see my my work because it got framed and it was hanging up and she was looking very stressed and said that the girl that was currently working there was leaving and she was finding it all very stressful and she needed help kind of running it really um she is an artist herself um and she has no gallery experience um and she was like you know I can't pay you much but do you want to come and work four days a week um helping me run this and you know I said yes please (laughs) um so yeah I've started doing that so you know I'm very I understand I'm very it's a very privileged position to be in but um I work four days a week there and then I'm hoping it hasn't happened yet because I've been so busy but um to have one day a week at least in my studio doing my own thing and just being able to explore explore without the pressure the financial pressure of feeling that I need to like make something work in order to pay the bills um and I you know it's something that I should have really done a long time ago in terms of exploring when I had another job on the side but with me 
the bull in the china back to the bull in the china shop thing i very much just go whole hog like you know i don't need another job i'm just gonna make this work you know and i think there is an element of being able to build something beautiful when you don't have financial pressures because i was always chasing my tail you know trying to pay the bills while not really exploring telling myself that i was exploring my creativity you know and always on this hamster wheel and it's nice to kind of get off it and go okay financial stuff is sorted i can you know do my own my own thing and not have to feel stressed about yeah you know paying the bills or what clients next or you know all the rest of it so right. yeah it's, you know I mean, it's a dream job, really. And it never, I mean, it never would have happened had I not been an illustrator because, you know, that's the way things work, isn't it? So you, you do Absolutely. have to do these things to end up in the, you know, that's the beauty of things do just happen sometimes, you know, and that sounds very like airy fairy and privileged, you know, to people that are probably listening or whatever. But sometimes things do just end up falling into place through a series of events of, you know, like you always say, give your business card out, you know, make connections because you never know where they're going to end up my whole my whole career to a degree is full of chance and i'm i've completely at ease and love that now because it makes me excited and and i think you have to accept that you know that, that sometimes right time right place happens but for that to happen you have to to be in the places and you have to yeah you know, be enthused and putting the stuff out there and you know like you said all that all that's you know what what a wonderfully diverse series of jobs there that you've had and, and all those and what a journey to get to where you are but I think there comes a point where you go well you know it might change again and it might change again but but I think like you say as long as you have something in there where you where you are truly creative and doing it for you and not for these external things but to take the pressure off I always say to students don't ever feel bad or like it's a failure if you have to stop something and start elsewhere or you have yeah. to work full-time while you've you know to take the pressure yeah. off financially because different people respond different to financial pressure and I was somebody who could never have gone straight from uni and lived on beans and noodles and you know while I was knocking on client doors because I would have been very robust because of that pressure and I would have made wrong decisions and just annoyed people Uh, whereas I was way way better working those full-time jobs because it just gave me the time to do it in my own way and to do it with purity and I had financial support so that I could invest in a website and I could you know, yeah. I just think, it- no, I think it's really important. And like what you said, don't feel bad about it. But I think it's so easy to feel bad. you know, even me getting a job, this job, which, you know, is in within the creative field and is really a, a dream job for me because I get to tick all my organization box, management boxes, and <laughs> like organization, but for someone else. Um, but uh, it's a, a dream job for me. But, you know, don't like even though it was a dream job I still felt like I'm a failure I failed at being an illustrator I failed at this career like I'm leaving it behind you know I even I dealt with all of those things so you know and it's so easy and I had jobs before and what I should have done is lent on them more so that I could enjoy my creativity but I never did because I always had this guilt of like oh, I'm doing this other job because I'm actually sort of a failure and, you know, really I, I, sh- I should, you know, put more into my illustration and, and you know, I should cut back on this job and, you know, always in a hurry to do it because I always felt slightly guilty and slightly embarrassed with all my friends, you know, who 
got jobs straight after graduated and and you know have gone up the ladder and you know are in management positions and beyond and you know have bought nice houses and you know all the rest of it um and you I think it's so easy to feel that guilt that failure because of the way that society is and the way that Instagram is and the way that everyone's doing amazing things and you know but actually if creating stuff is what makes you happy and you have to wait tables to do that that's fine you know well I mean you know let's go back to somebody we talked about earlier Joe Joe Henley she told me on the podcast that you know she downed tools and and didn't pick up a pencil for eight years after graduating and 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 worked as a waitress herself and did all the stuff and it's like you have to do that sometimes that's that's we're not in a conventional industry really but you know when when you lead with creativity and and um, the guilt is very destructive but it's very real but also you shouldn't ever feel guilty you know you but i would you know, be the first to say that you absolutely succeeded because you were an illustrator so you of course you so therefore you succeeded you know you did it you did it professionally yeah. you can do it again whenever you want that you've done it you're brilliant you're established um i think it's extremely ballsy and, and very commendable that you've taken that step which is right for you because not enough people do and i think it's an absolute revelation sometimes and it's such a monkey off your back when you know when you do that yeah definitely i you know definitely and I think like you said about you know you can always come back to it you can always you know people can you know there's always options I was literally speaking to a friend the other day about this and she was very kind of she's freelance and uh, she was very kind of stuck in this you know worried about almost feeling slightly trapped of like you know she's like not quite making enough money and like you know she's worried like will it ever take off like will she ever make enough money and I kept saying to her like step away you know like step away do something different if you can and then come back you know it's not a failure like you said to step away and then come back you know if you're feeling in that like trapped hamster wheel am I ever going to make enough money scraping the barrel like get another job you know I know it's not as you know it's not as easy as just like get another job because you know the job market's very competitive but you know find another way to make money and and yeah. take the pressure a little bit you know absolutely restructure it if you're not getting time to do stuff that's personal to you and or move forward in the way that's that's right for you then i think something has to change it's like um what matt where we were mentioned this briefly before we recorded but matt essen mentioned it to me on the podcast and said you know he always asks the people that he mentors what's the capacity that they can work out so how many clients can they do an effective job for and if they say yeah. eight for example he'll say right can you get by on seven because you should be the eighth and most important client and you should always leave time in your schedule to work yeah. on you in a pure way otherwise you yeah. don't move forward you know you end yeah. up just repeating the same pattern and if yeah as we as we've discussed today that can sometimes be not right yeah and also i think what doesn't help your creativity and what i if you're constantly worried about the financial side and you're constantly not ever having enough time to like go out for dinner every once in a while and let your hair down and be able to buy a beer because you're constantly counting the pennies like that's not really going to fuel your creativity because you haven't got a lot you know and that's what I realized really through getting this job I was like well I really didn't have a lie you know I was really like every time we're going out you're like can I afford this can I afford you know, and if you're constantly in that slightly theory, slightly stressed, slightly butterflies in your stomach, like slightly sick feeling all the time, is, are you really going to make great work? No. Nope. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're sacrificing yourself to 
this career that you want and whatever but sometimes you just need to enjoy life you know sometimes you need to have enough money to be able to have a few beers on a Friday yeah, night it's that, it's that enjoyment of life <laughs> it's that enjoyment of life which is the chief kind of fuel for creativity isn't it you know I'll just, yeah. I'll just the life in general you know it's the yeah, anger have, you, it's, have the, you got enough time to enjoy life you know <laughs> exactly just to even just to experience life you know it's the things we get it's the things we feel strongly about good or bad that give us the impetus to create great work isn't it yeah you know? exactly so no. well i think that's incredible and i'm really happy you've got to that place and i think you know this i think it's very admirable and i also think it's a very smart move so well done oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> And you know your, your illustration—it's fantastic, but only you can be the judge of whether it's right. And that's what I always say to people: don't. What's the classic? What's the classic phrase? Uh, comparison is the thief of joy. It's so oh, yeah. so true. Like we live in this world where we get envious of these highlight reels of other people, even sometimes the highlight reels of all shit because they're just posting them because they feel yeah. like you know, it's something they've done. And also, cool. I think stay take a step back I realized this the other day and this is all coming from me having a lot more mental space but like I took a step back and I realized you know everyone does that thing you scroll through Instagram and you see something and, and it triggers you because you get jealous of them you know whatever and, and it happens it happens all the time you know someone that you follow has got this great job or you know whatever and it happened and I sort of stopped in my tracks and I thought Laura why are you jealous why are you feeling envious of this person is it because of the job they've done? Is it because of the work they're making? What is it? And I realized that actually when I distilled it down, it was the client that they'd worked for that I was jealous of. And then when I distilled that down, I was like, why are you envious of that client? Because you don't even know that client might be an absolute nightmare to work for and you might hate the work that you've created for them. And then I realized that actually I was jealous because I felt that if I'd worked for that client, or if I had the opportunity to work for that client, it would make me feel more valid and make my creativity and my career feel more valid and give me the validation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and actually, I realized that quite a lot of my jealousy and, you know, all the rest of it of feeling my career was always that thing of like, if I get this client, my, my career will be validated. If I get this client, my creativity is a real thing. If I get this client, I'm a real illustrator you know and you spend so much time doing that and I just think just if anyone's listening and they are like that just take some time to actually think why you're getting those feelings and why you're feeling that way and actually is that healthy you know because no no one can validate your career you you making work that you love it's how you can validate your career not getting x or y client you know because half the time as we know as illustrators you get the client and they are a fucking nightmare to work with yeah. and you hate work yeah. and I, I would also <laughs> say i've, I've had a, a string of dream clients and um and and most of them have been a joy to work with but what i will say is i got to the end of a few, a few dream clients and when somebody jokingly said well what now you've reached the top of the mountain knowing me as like a big wrestling fan this is when i got wwe yeah. And I went and, and they said it jokingly, but actually I went away and I thought that there is some truth to that. And actually I wasn't sure. I spent a little time there not quite knowing where to go. And it was because I'd had this goal-driven approach, which was based on clients and the things you just described. Whereas actually after that, I changed my approach and I went with feeling fulfilled and happy on each week. So what felt made me feel invigorated and what job should I take on based on creativity and, and you know, 
and actually ever since I've been much, much happier and, and, and I've cared much less. Don't get me wrong. I still love to do like a penguin book jacket, uh, Wes Anderson yeah, film poster, I mean, but I don't actually a- care if they don't ever come along. It's just that if they do, it'd be awesome. But, um, but I, but I know now that if they do come along, it will come along because I've done work that means something to me that I'm passionate about. And that's when those clients are, are great to get. Yeah. And then hope you would hope that you would be doing work that you would be really proud of the work that you've done because you're really settled in the work that you're creating and really secure and therefore no client would ever be able to kind of over dictate because they would have got you for the work that they really love that you're doing yeah kind of paste it trying to prove that you can do it to fit in with their style they'd end up hiring for you for that reason but then you're doing something that they want but it's not actually what you want yep 100%. 100%. That's it. And I think that's where, you know, we should all kind of try and get to where we're doing work that's fulfilling for us, but somebody else loves it. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's you know, anyway, I could talk all day, but this has been really yeah, inspiring. It's really inspiring. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, when, when the time is right and you do do your day, I can't wait to see what you create with, with a different approach and less pressure. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast it's, it's a little it's a little bit surreal after listening to your podcast for many years um listening to all the guests you know and actually being a guest myself it feels a little bit well odd. well what i will say <laughs> is it, it backs up everything that we've talked about today because you know you you made this bold decision you were frank and you made a post about why you were making the decision and then we started having a conversation about that decision and i went here's a podcast angle cool so you know it's there you go hopefully that's the first of many fruits to come of you making this big decision so you know thank you so much to laura hope for taking the time to spend an hour with me and share her story of uh hitting the reset button a little bit maybe it's not permanent time will tell i don't think laura truly knows herself and, and if i'm honest i don't think any of us can truly know I think that's just what creativity does, what it is, you know, it it leaves us guessing and just when we think we've got it all nailed down, we have all the answers, you know, the cliches that the questions get changed and I think that's what we do. You know, I know people who've really struggled with the whole Brexit vote and, and the, you know, the outpouring of rabid emotion from that um, and the climate crisis and Donald Trump getting in the States and Black Lives Matter. There's, you know and these are just big world issues let's not even get into you know the domestic situation uh, how how many times the kids are up in the night i've become quite familiar with that one myself there are you know there are fundamental truths and there are passions and things we love that we'll always love but how we bracket them and how we frame them can change over time and i think we have to admit that so i'm keen to know your responses in particular on this episode and i hope you enjoyed what laura had to say uh, let me know if there are any particular highlights get in touch at ben talent on the social media um thank you once again to all you listeners i i do appreciate you coming back after these long hiatuses but the show is just going to be something that i do because i'm very passionate about creativity um it used to be weekly then it became bi-weekly but ultimately the obligation started to weigh me down a little and stifle why i did it in the first place whereas now I'm not saying there's not going to be big flurries of uh, episodes all at once. There, there's sometimes that's the way it goes, but there will be long, long gaps. I think this is just going to be something that's always attached to my studio as a creative because I care about the industry and I want people to get inspired and I want them to hear the great stories. So when I come across them, I'll get the mic out and we'll have that chat. So do keep your ideas coming over. I do love it when people pitch themselves for the podcast because 
and many of the episodes are things that I just wouldn't have heard about otherwise unless you'd got in touch. And I guess that's the importance of marketing and shouting about what you're doing and what you care about. So thank you once again to Laura. Thank you to supporters of the show. Illustration X, we are Illustration on social media, illustrationx.com, the wonderful association of illustrators. Uh, I think they're over at the AOI on social media and theaoi.com to go and check out all their great resources for you illustrators. Thank you once again for listening. Uh, be in touch. Oh, the, uh, the new zine I'm producing, The Elf in the Delph, I'm hoping it will be out on 1st of December, provided all goes well. With the print run, on that basis, uh, I should mention, I just uploaded a whole bunch of misprints of my last book, Your Mum, to my online store or over at bentallenwriter.com forward slash shop. Um, reason being, I, they were just sat in a box and a number of people said to me, this is going to sound a bit weird, but can I buy a, po- a copy of the misprint because I kind of collect things that went wrong or, or the outtakes, so to speak. And I loved that. You know, as a nerd myself who's collected things over the years, I totally see the appeal there. You know, I remember seeing a J.K. Rowling book in a in a cabinet in a charity shop, and it was something like a typo on page two hundred twenty four. You know, and the thing was fifty quid. But it, you know, for people who nerd out on that world, I just I love that. So I thought, why not? I bung them in the shop. They're half price. There's nothing wrong with them apart from the fact that the spreads are misaligned by one page. Probably not something you'd even notice unless you're a design nerd like me. The stories are all there. It's still complete. It's still printed on the lovely stock. Um, so check it out. Four ninety nine instead of nine ninety nine. Anyway, that's enough of the plugs. Keep an eye out for Elf on the Del- Elf in the Delf updates. Ah, oh, I'm running out of gas. Cheers, guys. I hope you enjoy the show. Take care.